This episode of The Table Podcast is brought to you by Southern Fusion Barbecue Sauce. You can pick up some of that spicy southern sweetness at southernfusionbbq.com. You're listening to The Table Podcast. This is more than just a podcast. It's a place we want to have beneficial, informative, and entertaining conversations, all from a Christian worldview. So thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can join the conversation, too, by emailing us at thetablepodcastsc at gmail.com. The podcast starts in three, two. One. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us here at the table. Appreciate it. Um, I have a guest with me um, that is a, um, I would like to say, a Clemson basketball legend. Um, <laughs> um, I have to say this uh, is Brian, and I'm going to butcher your last name, Narciss. Brian Narciss. That's it. I got That's it, right. it. You yes. did. Okay, it's Brian Narciss. Um, a lot of you guys know him as Be Nice. He's uh, number 21. Mm-hmm. You played under Oliver Purnell. I played and, uh, two years for him and two years under current coach Brad Brown now. Okay, and and I was telling you about my friend a while ago, mm-hmm. and, and I, I showed him a picture, and he was like, he was like, yeah, man, Be Nice used to come in all the time, and he was like a lightning rod for the crowd. Mm-hmm. And, and he said he would come in, and, and to get momentum going, they would let him drive straight to the rim and dunk every time. <laughs> and, and so – um, um, yeah. so you, you definitely have uh, a couple of fans that will be listening to this man. Awesome. Welcome to the table, dude. I, I appreciate you, um, taking some time out. Absolutely. Um, and I've kind of done a mini, mini introduction for you, but mm-hmm. kind of, uh, tell the listeners and everybody that, uh, all four people that download this podcast, um, <laughs> um, who you are, yeah. kind of yeah. what you do. Yeah. Those well, things. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to the table, saving me a seat. Appreciate it. Um, so my name is Brian Narciss, also known as Be Nice. I grew up in North Augusta, South Carolina. I've uh, been living in Clemson area for the last six or so years. Uh, work with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Shout out to FCA. Mm-hmm. Um, met my wife through working with FCA. We've now been married for uh, a little over four and a half years, um, and yeah, God is good. I still play basketball. I would consider myself more of a weekend warrior now, which is okay. I would say I am a free-flowing creative, primarily with music. Uh, every now and then, I would do some videos, do some writing, um, but ultimately, just somebody that uh, I, I would say uh, tries to live life every day with a lot of joy. That's awesome. Free flow, free flowing creative is an understatement, I, and and some of the videos that you've posted on your social media are entertain, downright entertaining and like mm-hmm. remarkable. From I, I'm a communications major from North Greenville, and hey, just calm in the building. I love it. I <laughs> so got my degree so as well. Like, so like your ability, just even even in the small two minute and fifty second videos or however mm-hmm. mile long you put up on mm-hmm. Instagram, they're phenomenal, dude. Thank um, you. And we'll Thank talk you. a little bit more about that. But uh, I just want to start at Clemson. Sure. Um, and first of all, first of all, um, I don't want to start at Clemson. I want to start at Jesus. Yes. So um, tell tell me a little bit about you know life before Christ and mm-hmm. how you came to know Jesus, um, and how that led you to Clemson. All that. Yeah. So uh, if we're talking introductions, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't start the introduction by saying that I started kindergarten when I was three years old, and so I was very young. Uh, you know, a lot of people see me, obviously, because it's an audio podcast. You you can't see, but I am six foot six inches. I am uh, rather tall. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm barely <laughs> I'm barely five ten, and so I I'm the top of my head comes to your shoulders, maybe, maybe, um, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just yeah, maybe. That's the truth. Like that. I'm a um, short guy. I don't care. So, um, but you know, as I was coming up through school, basketball was the way that I was able to connect to a lot of people, and so. 
being young, I first was able to try out for the school team my seventh grade year. I had just had a birthday, but I was 11. Mm-hmm. And so I got cut from the basketball team my seventh grade year. Uh, a lot of people, you know, obviously think of the Michael Jordan stories like, oh, yeah, well, he was cut. And I was like, well, it was a little <laughs> different. He got cut from the varsity team. He made JV and was right. dominating that. My situation, I literally did I not make that. the school team. So. I'd always bought that story as he got <laughs> cut from the varsity team. Mm-hmm. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. It helps to read, I guess. Yeah. All good. No, <laughs> well, context, context helps, you know, a lot. And so the uh, I made the team my eighth grade year. Um the running joke in my family is I had a red shirt uh, year, so I did four years in middle school. I did a second eighth grade year because right. if you're doing the math, the pace that I was on, I would have been 12 years old going into high school. Goodness. Exactly. <laughs> so you were like the Doogie Howser of basketball, kind of. Ah, uh, yeah. That that is one way to look at. So I I definitely uh, like was able to do the schoolwork. Schoolwork was not the problem, right? But the older I got, we understood that school is more than the schoolwork. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's a social side of it. Right. And I did not fit in. Oh, <laughs> I really didn't. So, yeah. So, basketball was kind of the thing that, for lack of a better term, like kind of saved me early on, um, helped me have some friends, helped me have some connection. Right. And, obviously, I set dreams and aspirations to play ball in college and beyond. Yeah. Um, and so ninth grade year, I played on the JV team. Tenth grade and eleventh grade year was when I was playing varsity. Made all region my eleventh grade year. Wasn't getting recruited to the manner that I expected right. or right. wanted. And it actually took me going to an FCA camp down in Garden City, the oh, the wow. state retreat, um, where I heard the gospel um, as clear as I ever have before. Even wow. for somebody who had grown up in church, wow, I would tell people that I had let basketball become an idol in my life. Mm-hmm. I let a good thing become a God thing. And for me, I, you know, you grow up around church, you kind of hear the lingo and kind of right. what to say and how right. to go about things. And I, at the time I was really struggling with my college decision of like, well, I don't know, you know, what camp do I need to go to? Who do I need to send a tape to? You know, trying to figure out all these things and trying to, for lack of a better term, manufacture it on my own. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like God, you know, kind of in this you know, whisper back to me, you know, kind of like you can't trust me with your college decision until you trust me with your life. Oh, like he wow. didn't want me. He didn't want just a part of me. He wanted all of me. And so yeah. for me with basketball being an idol, I had to be willing to give up basketball. And I tell people that weekend I did, I was willing to say, God, mm-hmm. I don't know what your plan is for my life. I have to be willing to trust that. And if wow. that is not, basketball then I trust you and so I was willing to give up basketball walk away if it was basketball great if not and I felt like he gave it back to me and said now you know your purpose and so I would tell people that my purpose early on before before Christ was to prove people wrong right after knowing Christ was to reflect his glory. Right. So how, how hard was it for you, for that nature within yourself to prove people wrong, to die once you came to know Jesus? Oh, it was difficult, especially one, especially once doors started opening up, right. you know, it's like, you know, everybody starts coming around like, Oh yeah. You know, like <laughs> I always knew he was going to be there. I'm like, mm. <laughs> right. Right. But I had to just trust like, you know what? Like it's not about me anyway. Mm. And so whether they, want to uh for lack of a better term hitch their wagon to what i'm doing where i'm going things like that um i trust god's plan um along the way so 
it was it was difficult. Uh, so, so um, the high school that you attended, which high school was it? North Augusta. North Augusta. North Augusta. No, North Augusta. We've heard all the nicknames. Oh yeah, I'm from. I, I've actually. Oh North. gosh, don't. Okay, don't judge me when I when I bring this name up because everybody knows this guy. Uh-huh. He was actually he was actually a roommate for me in college. Okay, Ryan Abel. Yeah, you know was he really? Slim was my roommate in college. Wow, yeah. Yeah. that's um, a small world. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Yes, Slim, everybody knows Slim. Slim, man. Good people. He actually, um, he actually listens. He well, he listens a little bit to this podcast. But you better I think, listen to this episode. I think if he, uh, <laughs> I think if he listens to this one and sees your name, he's going, he's going. <laughs> you know, he may make it to this point eight minutes man, into the. Um, shout out to you, Ryan. Yeah, keep um, doing your thing, man. Yeah, um, but I, I know. Um, I've got a couple of ties um, you're used to, like, kind of, you graduated. When did you graduate high school? 2008. 2008. Dude. You're making me feel, I thought we were kind of in the same age range, but not really. Sorry. You're like, sorry. <laughs> eight years behind me, man. Okay. All right. That's cool. Um, I graduated in 2000. So, okay. Yeah. Um, how, okay. Slim's my age. So, how did, how did. So, he was back around serving in the area whenever I was coming up through high school. Okay. All right. So, that was post-college for him. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. all right. All right. Okay. <laughs> that's so, how. Yeah, yeah, that's why. That's exactly why. So, um, towards the end of your high school career, you, you mm-hmm. went to, and that's the big thing, too, about what FCA does is, yeah, it's primarily um, we desire to see the world impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. through the coach. Mm-hmm. and athlete to yes. and through the coach is kind of how it operates. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a big thing when it comes to your walk with Jesus is yeah. without the ministry of FCA, yeah. um, nobody would have got on your level mm-hmm. and communicated the gospel to Brian right. where Brian would have heard it. And I tell a lot of people this, I, I was a student pastor for eight, almost eight years, eight, mm-hmm. nine years. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed as a, as a character coach for FCA, that there were athletes coming to me on the sidelines and having conversations and, and coaches as well, coming to me on the sidelines, having conversations about Jesus that wouldn't walk through the doors of my Wednesday night programming as a student pastor, or even the doors of a church or even the doors of my office at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are so in just engulfed with athletics and, and they barely have time for school and athletics, mm-hmm. much less anything, much less anything else. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, uh, it really hit home with me. Um, just some of the conversations that I would have with the athletes after a year and a half, two years of work, building mm-hmm. relationships with those guys, right. they'd run me down in Ingles and talk to me and tell me, you know, man, when you talked about this, you know, and shared Jesus with me here, man, it really impacted my life, you know, I wish I could sit here and say, hey, you know, Billy Graham, you mm-hmm. know, Billy Graham and, and thousands have come to know Jesus through mm-hmm. FCA. But a lot of times, and I know you've probably seen that too, is is you've got to do the do the relational ministry and plant the seeds too. Absolutely. Um, so your uh, process of coming to Clemson mm-hmm. was was um, was Clemson one of many offers? Was how did you how did you get to Clemson? Yeah, that that's a funny journey. Uh, for those unaware, uh, you only actually sign one letter of intent. An athlete can only sign one letter of intent. And a nice trivia question that I love telling people is my letter of intent is not actually to Clemson. Where was it to? Western Kentucky University. Okay. So Go Hilltoppers. Hilltoppers, yep. Okay. Bowling Green, Kentucky. So 
the way the story goes is went uh, after camp, uh, played in some tournaments, um, really started to get some interest. One of the mm-hmm. tournaments that we played in was actually at Clemson. Um, now, I was getting interest from a lot of schools, but didn't really have a whole lot of offers. Right. I'll tell you one school that I got interest from, and this is one of those like, oh, if another school hears that I'm getting interest from this school, it almost like immediately mm-hmm. builds my credibility. Right. So the one school was Harvard. I was getting recruited by Harvard. Boston. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, but uh, you know what I'm saying? So like immediately if somebody sees that one is division one, but right. two it's Harvard. So yeah. it's like, we know we're not going to have to worry about this kid in academics. Right. If Absolutely. Harvard is coming in. Right. Yeah. So I would get interest from different schools here and there. Well, um, one of the assistant coaches at the time uh, at Harvard came from Clemson originally. Okay. Um, And so we played a tournament in Clemson. The guy from Harvard couldn't come down and watch me uh, play. Mm -hmm. So he had one of the assistant coaches at Clemson watch. Right. And I did really well in that tournament. And so then the guy from Clemson started contacting me a little bit and very long story short, uh, it didn't turn into anything right by the end of like the end of spring or end of summer. It just was like, Hey, there was some interest, but it wasn't a good fit at the time. All right. Um, got interest from Western Kentucky, went on some visits. They offered, I committed before my senior season. Okay. So play my senior season, not having to worry about phone calls or trying to prove myself, right. which was actually a pr- answered prayer. Yeah. Um, but I was also still curious as to what the interest would have been like if after a good senior right. season. And so play my senior season, March Madness rolls around, Western Kentucky makes the tournament. This was 2008, and they make the Sweet 16. Ooh, go ahead. And so the coach gets a new job offer, as you know, you start right. to see with some of these you know mid-major schools that have deep runs in the tournament. Right. Um, and so the new coach coming in, I don't fit the system that he's about to bring in. So he's going to kind of bring me in out of necessity to honor the scholarship and whatnot. But right. I mean, he pretty much told me from the jump, like, Hey, I'm bringing in a whole different system than the previous coach. Right. And so I am now essentially two months before graduating high school. Have you already signed your LOI? Yes. So you're stuck like Chuck. Exactly. God. Or so, but this was, this was the beauty of the coach the new coach communicating. And I, and I understood also how it benefited him to say it. All right. They would have, they would have to have granted me a release from the mm-hmm. letter of intent. Now schools don't have to do that. However, if he does that, that opens up a scholarship for him to be able to bring in somebody else that fits right. the system. So when, when exactly. So I did, I asked for a letter of uh, release and he granted it. Right. And in a matter of three days from being released from that letter of intent, I contacted Clemson because they were one of the last schools that I was really interested in, found out that there was some mutual interest um, and that they actually still had a scholarship. I did not know that, Um, but they came down, sent a coach, came down and watched me work out in an open gym, invited me back up uh, the next day on campus to take a visit. It just happened to be the spring game weekend. Right. Um, and so to, to show you how late in the game it was, right. it was the spring game <laughs> Saturday. Um, Which is this Saturday yeah. for, for time frame reference. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the thought is, uh, okay, I'm going up on this visit. I remember driving up with my mom and she said, all right, we just reopened the recruitment. Like whatever happens, we're going to take it back. 
we're not committing, we're not doing anything because we don't know what other right. offers are could be come available. Yeah, you got kind of a second chance with your LOI from mm-hmm. WKU, right? And you didn't want to just you know make you know, a, a snap decision. Snap, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. but we're on the visit. You know, they're introducing me to all these people, showing me around. It ends in the locker room. We're looking around like this is really good, but right now, we, I mean, like they haven't said they haven't offered anything, and right. so like I mean, it's kind of yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. But, so we end in the end in the locker room. Head coach at the time, Oliver Purnell, right. walks in. He says, uh, "Did you enjoy your visit?" I was like, sure did. Could you see yourself playing here? I sure could. <laughs> well, good. We want to offer you a full scholarship. What do you say? <laughs> like, what did that feel like? At that moment, what did that feel like? Man, I couldn't even put it into words because right. it's like, here I am, an in-state kid. Right. I'm an in-state kid who um, has had dreams of playing ball and and doing uh, the thing that he loves uh, on, obviously, the biggest stage. I mean, mm-hmm. ACC basketball is right. you know top tier. Right. And so being able to do that at a place like Clemson – um, I mean, was literally like just, like well, you're on. Yeah, it really was. Awesome. I mean, like this was like, it was almost like a scene out of a movie. So then this is where the, 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 the movie scene, you know, becomes a, a comedy for a moment. <laughs> so I told you what my mom said, like, right. no matter what they say, we're next, so he says, we're going to offer you a full scholarship. What do you say? Does your mom, is your mom giving you looks over in the corner? Like, oh, I, boy, I'm sure you better she was. I'm, I'm sure she was. And, and she'll tell you, I wasn't even looking at her. I was just looking at coach <laughs> because I said, yes. <laughs> and so the coach says, yes. <laughs> and my mom says, yes. She's giving you the big eyes. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. And I said, yeah. What did I tell you, boy? Yeah, pretty much. And it's just like, but, you know, we, we're on the road back and we're, yeah. I had a moment of like, okay, as quickly as they offered me that scholarship, Who's to say they don't bring somebody else in the next week if I yeah. say, eh, I'll I'll think about it or I'll pass on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. You know, it may not be something that, you know, it, it may have a very quick expiration date. So I'm like, this is, we like it here. Mm-hmm. And so why not? Right. And so that's how I ended up at Clemson. So mathematically going back to the beginning of the story as well, I enrolled at Clemson when I was 17. Goodness. Okay. So, yeah. So Clemson now freshman year, mm-hmm. you how far is it? How far into the process is it that you actually see playing time? Um, so I saw a little bit my freshman year. Um, not really a whole lot. I would say I really started to become a part of uh, the rotation some sort of the rotation my sophomore year. Right. Um, actually started uh, two games. Um, the whole uh, tournament out in California mm-hmm. is a, a story in itself. I had uh, the was three games in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first game, I came off the bench and had re- played really well, so much so. We're playing actually on Thanksgiving Day, which All is right. interesting to keep in mind when what, I tell you what I'm about to say. What year is this? 2009. We okay. played Texas A&M, okay. which actually had Chris Middleton, who's playing for the Bucks. He was right. on that team. And um, I had the number six and the number one play on SportsCenter's Top Ten that night do on Thanksgiving. Still, do you still have those recorded I, somewhere, stowed away? You know, I <laughs> I have the clip of what it was, but I don't have the, like, clip right. of them talking about, like, the, the top ten or whatnot. Right. I, I, I 
I hope there's an archive somewhere. I'd really love to find the actual clip because I've not seen the number six clip in a while. What was the play? So the the number six play was um, I had a block off the backboard, got the rebound, took it coast to coast, and then got an and one layup. Oh, gosh. And then the number one play was a guy tried to make a move on me. I stole it. Um, and then I thought he was like chasing me down. So mm-hmm. like I run and I jump and I dunk and I jump from like the free throw line out of fear. Um, God. and so dunked it with two hands from like the free throw line. And so you that straight was jump and it. Yeah. So God. it was, it was, it, it was a, it was a cool like moment. We ended up losing the game, but so that was the first game of that tournament. And then the next two games I started because one right. of our, uh, one of my teammates got sick. Right. Um, and, but what was cool was the, the second game I started mm-hmm. was against Butler, who ended up going on to the national championship that year. There was another guy who was starting for Butler who was also signed to Western Kentucky at the time, mm-hmm. whenever I was. And we both asked for releases from our uh, letter of intent. So just really cool, like, God winks, mm-hmm. you know, in that yeah. tournament. Um, but... Yeah, so I started really becoming a part of the rotation my sophomore year. So so a lot of people don't know the experience of being a student athlete. I know there is tough yep. from one side of the thing because you're one, you're an ambassador to the school. Yep. You constantly have the paw on your body, yep. chest, yeah, leg, mm-hmm. wherever. And even even if I don't, people recognize me. You right. Know? I mean, we live in a college town and so being around, you know, especially being a six six black guy, you right. know, you know, like a lot of people can start to put two and two together even if they don't know. You must play basketball. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Really? I mean, yes. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Of course I play basketball. Yeah. Um so from the student but I'm sitting here thinking you to this point in your life, especially in your collegiate career, mm-hmm. you've you've lived some experiences that guys who play basketball, pick up basketball at the mm-hmm. local YMCAs and churches every day only dream of. Yeah. Um, I, I can almost assume that there was that moment where you walked out of the tunnel at Cameron Indoor, mm-hmm. um, where you stepped on the, the court, almost said field. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah. Come on, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on the court at, mm-hmm. at in Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. um, you know, were you a part of any tournament runs with Oliver Purnell? Yeah, so I had, uh, in my college career, I played in three tournaments. So I had Coach Purnell's two uh, last two, and then Coach Brownell's first year, we made a tournament. Okay. And uh, our only win, or my only win in that time, was in Brownell's first year. We wow. like, play, actually played in a playing game, mm-hmm. um, but we won. Remember and, that. Uh, so I had some cool experiences. Uh, you know, it's interesting. The Duke one almost didn't happen because um, I almost quit after my freshman year. So you talk about, like, the student-athlete experience because right. it is a job. Um, you know, you, I think the person, the person who plays ball at the Y or, you know, plays, you know, you know, in church league, men's league, Mm -hmm. you know, just for fun, you know, a lot of times we'll see, you know, the athletes, you know, whether it be collegiate or professionally and have an idea of like, Oh, you know, if I was in their shoes, I'd do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And it's like, or how, you know, does such something like they get paid all this money, you know, how do they not? And I'm like, there's a lot more that goes into it than I think the average fan would. Um, they'd be they'd be very surprised to to know. Right. And so for me, again, entered college at seventeen. Um, I I don't think I was I I know I was not ready for the amount of pressure that right. was on me and just kind of the all eyes on me. 
mindset that came with being a, a basketball player in college, mm-hmm. Division One, ACC, um, because especially a sport like basketball, um, you only get 13 scholarships, you know, mm-hmm. and so, like, I'm a scholarship player, so then there's a natural expectation of, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, like, he needs to be doing more, he needs to be doing this, and blah, 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 and mm-hmm. so I... I'm old enough to where I was still very early in the social media. Like social mm-hmm. media wasn't as strong. It still was the message boards, which still are a thing. <laughs> right. But, you know, um, you know, a lot of times we were, we were told like, Hey, don't read the message boards. Don't read the message boards. Yeah. But it's kind of one of those things. Like, I mean, I'm curious now that you've said like, don't read the message boards. And, right. Like, what are they talking about? And, and you go read the message boards. Yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have read the message boards. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, but, eat the, don't eat the apple. Don't eat the apple. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, it was like, Oh, just like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, so the tournament runs were really cool, you know, just being a part of, you know, some really special things. But uh, I had to have a kind of a refresh moment after mm-hmm. my freshman year to remember that God has me here for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there is a lot of pressure that comes with it, but there also comes a great platform along mm-hmm. with it. The the classic quote from Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. Right. You know? And so, uh, just knowing that, Hey, this is, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to just be obedient to what God's called me to do. And I know this is where God's called me. And, and not to dive or defame or anything from the personal aspect, but you were there between the transition between Pernell and Brownell. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of controversy with that, with mm-hmm. him leaving. Was it for DePaul? I mm-hmm. think it was where, yeah. um, that was was that tough to navigate is you were heading into your senior year on the team right junior, junior year okay. so um it was in some ways because like i said i just started to uh get into the rotation and so figuring out what that would look like right. uh, in the next year um i felt called to keep playing and i felt called to keep playing at clemson and mm-hmm. so it's kind of one of those things of like all right we got to navigate what this is going to look like and um, mm-hmm. I'm still forever thankful for Oliver Purnell and just, uh, you know, him taking a chance on me. Right. Uh, and I am also almost equally as thankful for Brad because I grew so much as a basketball player. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize, like, he is probably, let's put it this way, he is the best basketball-minded coach I've ever played for. Wow. Um, his attention to detail and uh, like level of knowledge of the game and mm-hmm. all the layers of it, I mean, is I would say second to none. Yeah. It's impressive, and and that's and that's the thing too that a lot of people don't grab is that once again going back to the you know as Dabo refers to it as is the devil's playground, the message mm-hmm. boards. Mm-hmm. You hear all this junk on the message boards, but but really. I think what you said is just important because a lot of people want to bash Brownell really quick for the ups and downs of the program, Mm -hmm. you know, but like what you just said was way more important that he communicates and, and, and basketball minded and and works with the players and those things Mm -hmm. way more important than, than what any, you know, donor from a message board will say, because in the end, you know, the, the ultimate goal is to make, you are a student athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, the athlete part is second, even though it is a priority thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these guys over here on the message boards just kind of think you're you're just an athlete, mm-hmm. and you know it's a it's a professional team, mm-hmm. and you've got to operate as such, and that's just not the case. Let me ask you this too: um, with the onset of the NIL, 
Yes. Um, as a as a believer, yes, of course. Um, how do you? How should or or what are your thoughts on the NIL? Mm-hmm. Um, as a believer, as a representative of FCA, as a former athlete, um, you know, I, I'm glad there's money coming somewhere to the athlete because yeah. I, I know there's probably there's probably times where, um, you know, you were scrounging money together to even get a cheeseburger at Burger King, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't have time to work a job. No, you, you know? don't. Anyway, so Definitely what are your not. thoughts on that? Yeah, that I, I'm not even gonna lie. That probably could be a whole separate podcast right um the short answer is i'm thankful that there are i mean like honestly it's just that there's the opportunity for it right um when you when you basically tell somebody because it's like oh you know you're a student athlete you're going to college for free and i put that in air quotes because Mm -hmm. hey i can't take certain classes because it conflicts with my practice schedule. Right. So no, I'm not going for free. Um, I also have time commitments uh, within my sport and things like that. And, you know, it's like, Oh, well, if you love it, you know, then it shouldn't matter. I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but practice weights, film Mm -hmm. treatment, all of those things. And then school. Oh, by the way, a 10 page paper due on Friday. You know what I'm saying? All the things with school. Oh, Hey, also we would love for you to, um, go again, you talk about being an ambassador for, you know, the school and the program, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> the various ways that that plays out, you right. know, the, Hey, you have a, a media appearance, right. different things like that, that I don't think people understand mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, well, at what point do I get to just be, be an you know, athlete, being a student, not yeah. have these things that I have to do. Right. And so I think where I enjoy at least where the athletes are able to have now at the NIL is like, okay, well, some of the athletes have platforms and things like that, that Mm -hmm. even if somebody wanted to bring in somebody like an athlete to Mm -hmm. come and speak and share, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Hey, you did a great job. We can't pay you. Even though this thing (laughs) is very separate from, you know, your athletics. So like great example, we're going to talk about it. You right. know, like music for me. Right. There was a situation that came up my freshman year, actually. Right. Uh, I got asked to go rap at a church down in Myrtle Beach. Okay. So your rap career was parallel to. Yeah. Kind of as a hobby you were doing as you were student mm-hmm. athlete here. Yeah. Okay. Very early on. Right. So um, I got asked to go rap down in Myrtle Beach and they could not pay me. Oh, they couldn't pay. They couldn't even pay for my hotel. They couldn't pay for anything. I'm having to do this on my own dime, which ain't much of a dime because right. I don't have a job. And right. it just was like, man, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At it's those a, points, it's ridiculous because yeah. I um, can't even I can't even break even. It's not right. even it's not even like worry right. about like paying me like I can't even break even. Right. And so you're not looking to take advantage of the system and, and new cars, new houses, living yeah. like a multimillionaire. You're just you would have been happy to at least have benefits of that equal to a 35 an hour a week, part-time job, $10 an hour. Yeah. Like, Just yeah. Something. So yeah. So that, that's where I'm super encouraged with like NIL of like, okay, if somebody wants to, now I'm also of the belief of NIL is going to dilute some waters in a sense right. of, um, 
some of the relationships that I built in college mm-hmm. were a deeper relationship because I was not going to them expecting money. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or expecting that they cover this or anything like that. Right. You know, it just was like, oh, like you quickly find out the things that you are really passionate about, the things that you're really called to and the right. things that you really want to connect to when there isn't necessarily money change or right. exchanging hands. Right. And so I think being able to, hey, if if that's an option, sure. Right. Yeah. But don't let that be the anchor of yeah. why you do something. And, and like you said, I'm, we could probably sit here and talk for you know a whole different podcast about mm-hmm. nil and how mm-hmm. it's it's you know beneficial but also you, there needs to be some boundaries that plays within and absolutely. all that other stuff absolutely um so you you know graduated clemson mm-hmm. um and and was was the globetrotter thing immediately kind of an opportunity that came from that like you were like hey i'm this is my job post-college so uh so i graduated 10 years ago interestingly enough 10 years um so final four just happened uh and it was in new orleans 10 years ago the final four was also in new orleans <laughs> wow um and i got invited to participate in the college slam dunk contest it's only invite only to college seniors there's only eight participants and i went down there i got third in the contest and I knew the Globetrotters recruited from that. Right. Um, so it was on my radar. But at the same time, I, I just knew that I was kind of burnt out with, for lack of a better term, traditional basketball. Right. Because, again, basketball had become a job. Right. And so I wasn't really trying to go overseas. I wasn't really trying to. I mean, like, I was a two points per game player. I wasn't thinking that I was going to get NBA opportunities. Right. So I, right. My expectations were not there, so I wasn't preparing for that. I honestly did not know what I wanted to do. Right. But when the opportunity came and found out that there was interest from the Globetrotters, I pursued it. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I got invited to come try out and invited to training camp. And so just being able to do that, I joke kind of my running joke is like, you know, there are worse first jobs you can have out of college. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, like being able to say, Oh, I was a Harlem Globetrotter. I traveled Worked for enterprise rent a car. You know, yeah, that's what exactly. I did, man. <laughs> so, you know, I got a chance to, you know, tell people I, I got a chance to play games uh, for the troops over in Afghanistan. So that's I've actually cool. been over there. I've been yeah. to Egypt, been all over us and Canada. You got to see the world, you know, dude. literally see the world. And I, uh, here we go. Yeah. Doing, doing the math. I was, 21 when I first like was going through like training camp and things like that mm-hmm. when all of this is happening and 22 when I was like really deep like in the season of the Globetrotters mm-hmm. and so I'm 22 years old living literally getting to see the world right you know having dinner on the Nile getting a chance to see the pyramids like mm-hmm. experiences that there are people that are much older may never get right and I'm getting to experience that at 22 right. and just learning Man, this really is a blessing. What was it like to feel a sport that you love kind of shift from le- legitimate competition to more of an entertainment style? Was the, you were yeah. an entertainer now? Yeah, you're yeah. not just a basketball player. Mm-hmm. There's an entertainment factor in watching collegiate basketball. I get yes. that, but mm-hmm. but more so now, you're you're entertaining people in crowds all over the world. You what know, was that like? Initially, I thought that it would be less pressure. Uh, yeah, oh wow! <laughs> uh, because you know, like, oh, like if I miss the shot, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna get playing time or whatever. But I think the the transition was really good for me mm-hmm. to see 
the other side, you know, a lot of times you hear people say like, well, the grass is greener, you know, on the other side, like, oh, well, I'm here, but I wish I was there. Well, then you get there and you're like, eh. right. it's, it's, it's as similar, you know, it's similar. Right. And so I think the thing that I learned, you know, with the globe charters is, you know, how to show up every day. I mean, mm-hmm. we're playing uh, every day, sometimes twice a day yeah. uh, during the season. And so learning how to be a professional, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people will see like, oh man, like they just, it seems like they're automatic with, you know, the hook shot from half court or the full court shot. And I'm like, I'm around those guys. They practice it in the same way that you see guys practicing free throws. Like they practice those shots. And so they really are masters of their craft, like true professionals. And I, oh man, I learned so much from that season. And there's got, and a lot of times people, may come with the assumption of like they're kind of B league or C league basketball players. Mm-hmm. But these dudes that that are on these teams mm-hmm. with, you know, it was the generals, right? The mm-hmm. the generals, was it the New York Generals or the Washington Generals? Washington, Washington Generals. Washington yeah. Generals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um the y'all all travel as one group. Mm-hmm. So we we would play the way we would play is, you know, we as a team, like the so my Globe Charter team, we would play and, uh, you know, regardless of who we were playing, right. um, you know, there would we'd go to these cities and, you know, there would be uh, a handful of Washington generals that would be there. But mm-hmm. then there would also be, um, you know, a couple of local players you mm-hmm. know, as well. And so it was it was a cool experience um, in knowing that, um, yes, it is a show, but there mm-hmm. is a. There are there are competitive aspects of it that yeah. I would think the most the untrained eye uh, wouldn't notice unless I pointed it out. And so, like, I had some teammates um, that started out playing for the Washington Generals, okay. and then uh, because of how well they did in the season, right, um, they got a chance to try out. And so, yeah. so so is it safe to say like the Generals are kind of like a farm league? Team for the Globetrotters, or is it? I don't necessarily know that I'd go that. Okay, way. all so, right. Yeah. <laughs> Just bring an understanding to this whole yeah. thing. Sure, sure. Um, now, let me state the obvi- ask the obvious question: mm-hmm. You traveling around the world as yes. a twenty-one-year-old? Yes. You are six-six. Yes. And you're a black man. Yes. How was that, man? <laughs> was I, that I? I was so I grew up in North Augusta, so I lived in South Carolina. Went to Clemson, still right. in South Carolina. You know, Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in a Christian home, right? And you know, I think in many ways, uh, I experienced a lot of culture shock. Yeah, uh, I mean, like almost like you know, drinking out of a fire hydrant. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, like I have teammates that are from uh, you know Florida, New York, California. Right. Uh, England, mm-hmm. I had, you know, teammates that were just literally all over and learning to, uh, connect with them to, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I'll be honest, um, you know, if, if one of my old Globetrotters teammates was sitting here, they would say the same thing. Like I got mm-hmm. overwhelmed, um, wow. while I was out there, I didn't, it wasn't necessarily like a bad situation, but I didn't know how to connect to people. Wow. And so... Um, in some ways I do wish I could, uh, do that time over Mm -hmm. knowing what I know now, but I also know I had to go through that season to realize one, I wasn't mature Mm -hmm. and I mean, I, I just was thrown into the situation and it was, um, 
you know, kind of a trial by fire, right. learning through right. life's experiences. You know, I think right. some people would say school of hard knocks. Right. Um, but realizing that, hey, God still was glorified in that season. Like God still used that season to sharpen me, to right. open my eyes, um, and to open the eyes of some of my teammates in some ways that I didn't even realize, like I was able to plant seeds until conversations was had, you know, years later. Wow. And That's so cool. it is really cool. Um, but as a 22 year old black man <laughs> traveling to, um, I mean, getting a chance to see Dubai, yeah, right. uh, getting a chance to go to Egypt, um, it was it was really cool to right. realize, like, you know, the same God that is in South Carolina is the same God that created yep. all of this and is still um, in control. And, oh, wow. And, yeah. and, and, you know, just literally expanding your worldview. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Because and that's what happened to me, too, in a, in a similar way. I was first mission trip I went on was 16, 17 years old. And I got to go to Romania. Mm. First time on a plane was wow. from Hartsville, Jackson to, um, uh, what's the, the airport in Holland. Oh, but yeah, oh, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I got the fly. It, it was a seven to nine hour flight. Mm-hmm. So, the, but it was culture shock for me because 16, 17 year old Southern, you know, kid, mm-hmm. I'm walking, I'm walking around in a third world country. That's, you know, five, six years out of being under the, uh, the oppression of communism. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you saw stuff like that too. Oh yeah. Uh, working with the Globetrotters. So, and, and even, you know, heard it's interesting you said that your first trip was to Romania so I had a little bit of a culture shock when I was at Clemson because I lived with the same guy for four years mm-hmm. um Bobo Bachu his name is Catalin Bachu but right. he literally went by Bobo seven right. foot two he was from Romania he made you look short yes and it was always funny because uh two things one uh people would see him immediately and then forget that I'm tall because they see they're so focused on him. But then the other part is he's seven, two, and he's still not the tallest teammate I ever played with. Who's the tallest teammate you ever played with? Uh, Paul Sturgis, uh, with the Globetrotters. He was seven, eight, almost eight foot. He could dunk without, he could dunk without jumping. So when, when he would put his arms up, his hand, yep. it was over the rim. Yep. Good gosh, so, I can't yeah. I can't fathom height like that because, like I said, I'm five ten, man. So, I've been yeah. I've been a short, stubby little bowling ball all my life, and, and here you are, like, oh yeah, I'm I'm six, so, you know, six six, mm-hmm. seven two, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, so the the end of the Globe Trotters, and, and and you and I sat down, and we were talking about this before we started recording, but um, I met you, and and I was we were kind of laughing about it because I met you and I had no idea. I had no idea about Brian. Mm-hmm. I had no idea your background. Mm-hmm. You were just a guy I was seeking wisdom from for for you know starting my journey with FCA. Yeah. Um, and so, um, how did the Globetrotters lead to FCA? Yeah. So obviously, I mentioned how my life was changed through FCA. Um, right. So met Christ through FCA, and then I get to come to Clemson. Obviously, ACC and um, you know, big time school, but a lot of people may or may not know this, but Clemson actually has the biggest FCA in the country. Right. And so getting a chance to be a part of that and plugging into that community, um, I still served at a few camps while I was at, uh, Clemson. And so after I can remember the summer before, um, I went on the road with the Globe Charters and the summer after I went and served at a few camps and just kind of had the moment of like, okay, once this, I feel kind of the door for the Globetrotters about to close. Mm-hmm. 
I really felt like God was saying like, okay, because of even just having a year with the Globetrotters, like that's going to give me a platform. Right. And so I feel, I felt like God was calling me to FCA. And mm-hmm. so just being obedient in that and walking into that season, it just was a matter of um, saying yes. Yeah. Really. And I remember the, one of the biggest bits of wisdom was essentially that you gave me was, was the first part of the fi- the finance raising. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough. Yes. You told me, you said, press on though. Mm-hmm. If, if God's called you to it, press on Yeah. and he's going to provide. And, and um, I want to thank you for that bit of wisdom that you gave me where we're sitting at the Paul's diner, Paul's diner, Paul's diner. Let's go. And, That's uh, it. you know, um, I, you know, we were all, all three of us, me, you and Alex Dodd were smushed into a, a small little waffle house booth. Yeah. And, um, we were having these conversations and, um, there's, there was no more truer bit of wisdom that kind of sustained as I went through that journey of mm-hmm. going in the first steps of fundraising, you know, with FCA, we're constantly in the, in the mode of fundraising. Right. Right. Um, so it's kind of, um, uh, never ending, but, um, I would think about that moment when I would stand in my kitchen, having conversations with my wife going, you know, do we just cut, bait? you know, fish mm-hmm. or cut bait here? Yeah. Um, and, and because it was getting down times pressing and I, I, this mm-hmm. is the first time I've got to tell you this, mm-hmm. but, um, we had saved just enough, um, prior to me leaving my previous job mm-hmm. and going, doing the FCA thing that, um, right before, like two weeks before I received my first paycheck mm-hmm. from FCA, we withdrew, we would pay ourselves out of our savings account. Yeah. Um, because that's where we had, that's where we would pay our bills from Yeah, for this time period. And when we got all the bills paid, there was only $5 left in that savings account. Wow. And so it was, mm. it was go time. Yeah. You know, and, and a couple of days later I get a call and saying, Hey, we're going to be able to, you know, start paying you. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was a big relief. Like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. But then, wow. you know, then it was the push to get fully funded and right, got right, finally right. Fu- fully funded in August and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so FCA, you, you work at, with FCA here at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do with FCA kind of in, in this, uh, at Clemson university? Yes. Yeah, so I serve as the, uh, I serve as the advisor to the student huddle. Um, so the group that meets on Thursday nights, right. um, I serve as the advisor to the student, uh, leadership team that kind of runs that huddle. Um, and then I serve as a resource uh, to both the basketball team and the track team. So right. whether that is, um, you know, going to practice, whether that is uh, meeting with recruit, whether that is, um, you know, just touching base with coaches, mm-hmm. athletes, um, you know, I am ready and available um, to uh, assist, to have conversations, to mm-hmm. um have a Bible study, um, mm-hmm. whether it be with coaches, with athletes. Um, right. And so I'm just uh, an available uh, team member uh, on that campus. Yeah. Relational ministry. That's, that's the big it. thing. And, and um, when I, a lot of the character coaches that I'm integrating into my area, it, when I have those conversations, like relational ministry is a big part of what we do because a lot of coaches won't give you full access or entrust you with their athletes until you have a relationship with them. Right. And they're gonna, they're wanting to know, hey, are you are you just a fan around my team? Yep. Or are you here to help me grow these these players into to men and women, mm-hmm. and and you know later on husbands and wives and mm-hmm. on and yeah. on and on and on and on. Right. Um. So how long have you been with FCA? 
been with FCA for eight years. Right. Uh, I've been back at Clemson for six. Right. And you're, it's funny because you're one of the, one of the names that, that everybody always knows <laughs> with FCA. It's either, Hey, you do, do you know Reed Boyer or yep. did you know Reed Boyer? Mm-hmm. Or do you know Brian Narciss? Yeah. And and they're like, yeah, how do you know be nice? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Immediately it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, but you you have done a lot of work um, and you've used also your love for rap music and mm-hmm. as a as an artist. Yeah. Um, kind of with your ministry with FCA. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you had just, you've just gotten back from Garden City too. Yes, So I did. you're still kind of recuperating from yeah, the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and from Garden City. Um, but uh, here recently with with your um talents with with your your rap career rap mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, is that yeah, yeah is that what right. we say yeah. no that is that's it yeah <laughs> All right, rap, career. rap career um yeah. but uh you've had some videos kind of take off on Instagram mm-hmm. um and it's these uh, i know one is correct me if i'm wrong it's with the 116 crew i, yep. I thought i saw Andy Minio kind of in the background of so the there, bus yeah there was there was one uh it was a, a contest for KB KB put out a song right. called King Jesus right. um and so just did a remix to that and so um, you know, he was talking about possibly putting some people on, uh, the official remix. Right. And so, you know, just honestly, just keeping the pin sharp, just, you know, taking on different challenges right. and whatnot. And so I would, you know, if somebody, I see something come across, you know, sometimes it's, mm-hmm. I see it, uh, it's gotten to the point now where like some of the people close to me right. will find something and right. then they'll send it my way. Like, Actually, with the with the uh, one with KB, a friend of mine actually sent it to me that morning. Right. And then I wrote to it that day, and I just happened to have had a studio session that evening. <laughs> and so, I mean, just the timing of it was incredible. Right. So... So your thought process when you sit down, mm-hmm. is it the music first or the beat that you, you sit down with, or do you, do you have a kind of a flow... Because it is, you're, it's very poetic what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's rhythmic poetry. Yep. That's it. Um, and it is an art form. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I will, I will, I'll die on that hill. Yeah. Dude. Uh, because, Absolutely. and it takes talent to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's your thought process when you, when you start a song? Because yeah. you, you just released an album too. Yep. Last, last fall, Juice Box. Yep. yep. Juice Box. Um, you, uh, what's your process? Yeah. So I'm learning now that my process is to just make art. Right. Um, I think early on I focused on trying to make a masterpiece. Mm. And when you think about masterpieces as opposed to like the number of art works that are made, right. it's like a very, very, very small percentage. Mm-hmm. And so especially now recently with, you know, doing like the contests on Instagram and mm-hmm. the remixes and things like that. I'm in a place now where I am, um, I am getting better at the skill. Right. I am putting in the the uh, quote unquote ten thousand hours, if right. you will, to master something. Um, and yep. so, with the art, well, with with art, you know, like hey, you. And especially, you know, you mentioned you're a drummer, right? You know, the first time you hear a song, you know, mm-hmm. like you kind of have an idea of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first time you go through it, you play it. Okay. Yep. Fifth time you go through it, you feel better than you did the first time. Right. And I'm Tenth it, time, right, right. And so on and so forth. You yeah. know what I mean? I think, um, I've done this a little like long enough 
to where, because I mentioned I've been doing rap since even high school. Right. Um, and really started taking it serious once I got to college. Right. And then I had a few years where I, ste- I took a step back, was doing some video stuff for FCA. Right. And felt like I was kind of burning the creative candle at both ends. So I mm-hmm. took a step back. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Uh, <laughs> but um, God has kind of pivoted me from that season. And so that's... It's been really sweet to kind of get back into music, um, especially with a fresh set of eyes, a fresh set of experiences, um, a fresh perspective on it. Um, But like the idea of freestyle follows form. Mm -hmm. So as a drummer, you especially know this, you know, like a drummer has these fills and Mm -hmm. things like that. But if there's no click... Right. If there's no groove, you know right. what I'm saying? Like it just feels like noise. And and a lot of musicians will take a drummer that can lock onto a click mm-hmm. and groove mm-hmm. before they can chop. Yeah. And and so it's it's one of those things of of I I can't there there's always going to be somebody better in the drummer world. Sure. And and I think that kind of goes in all musicianship, but um I found out real quick to lock on. Uh, it was better for me to lock onto the click mm-hmm. and be able to groove mm-hmm. rather than to chop. Now I can, yeah. I can hold my own in that area, sure. but I get what you're saying. So my approach now has been to just honestly, just put in the reps, the basic reps, mm-hmm. you know, right. from, you know, fundamentals, you know, I'm, I'm writing full on rhymes. I'm writing full on verses and raps. Um, sometimes I'm just writing what I would call schemes mm-hmm. of like, you know, just kind of the end of a rhyme, you know, mm-hmm. and just like finding ways to uh, incorporate it all together. So right. like uh, a great example, okay. I have a song um, that I released back in 2015, and this was probably one of the first times I ever utilized this method. Okay. So you take a word like uh, consequence mm-hmm. and then like consequence common sense problem is accomplishments you know and so like i'll write all these words down right and then i will try to weave a story together okay based on those words so then with that particular example the verse came out to um Every action has a consequence, mm-hmm. equal or opposite. Yeah, I know that's just common sense. The problem is when you start racking up the accomplishments and uh, watch fans and foes, the lights start shooting down your confidence. I'm not convinced. Okay. Everyone starting arguments even knows me. But just because I'm notable, they have grown to just oppose me. Dance around my ashes like it's ring around the rosy. Right. So they've been taking shots to my Achilles brace. Kobe. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So like right. starting with the end and then kind of bringing in the story in the middle and it becomes like a puzzle. And there's a point where the puzzle starts to build itself too. Exactly. And then when you get your phrase finished, you're like, okay, here mm-hmm. we go. Now, once you get your phrase finished, do you dry, do you dry practice the phrasing without a beat? And then you go find the beat that fits the phrasing or do you find the beat and then mold the phrasing around it? So sometimes it's a mixture. So okay. sometimes it'll be like, I have the lyrics and, you know, kind of have an idea of a flow. Right. Um, it is not uncommon for me to have, a verse written and then end up recording that verse like to three or four different beats just to see how it sounds. Right. Um, and so, but there are also times where like I hear 
um, a beat and I have a thought in mind and I'll do what's I'll call a joyride of the beat. So like I'll hear the beat and I'll be like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm not really saying words, but I'm kind of getting an idea of like, if I were to write, this is how I would write. This is kind of how I would structure it. Yeah. And you're looking for the syllables and you're looking for words that fit that rhythm as you're kind of dry fitting the beat. Exactly. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a two part process. Now, um, going to juice box, what inspired you? What was kind of the main motivation behind that? Cause I mean, you know, you're, you're here rock and rolling along with FCA mm-hmm. and, and yeah, it's, it's a it, rapping safe to say, it's just kind of a hobby until that yeah. point that mm-hmm. you were kind of, kind of pushed back into the game, so yeah. to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what inspired you with that? So I think the thing that I, I tell people when it comes to the juice box, um, especially is, you know, it's kind of like me, like I mentioned, just putting in the reps and kind of getting back mm-hmm. into what I'm doing. Um, you know, I've learned over time that, um, you know, the day you plant the seed is not the day you get the fruit. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so That's good. I have a lot of things that I feel like I am, you know, seeds that have been planted, seeds that have mm-hmm. been uh, tended to. Um, and, you know, when you start to see some fruit, you know, you get excited, you know, mm-hmm. and in some ways it's like, you almost become very precious with it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you don't want to, you don't want to risk it. Yeah. The first strawberry on the vine or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see what you're saying. um, But what I'm learning, and this is where the concept of the juice box came from, um, is uh, bear the fruit, apply the pressure and share the juice. That's good. And that's that's biblical. Mm -hmm. So, all right. In the world of rap music, stating the obvious here, (laughs) it gets a lot of um, a bad reputation. Well, mm-hmm. bad reputation because immediately a lot of people, when you mention the word rap, mm-hmm. they're talking, you know, they, their mind goes to those rappers that use illicit language, mm-hmm. you know, talking about money, drugs, sex, mm-hmm. uh, you know, degrading, uh, de- women, degrading women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. How, what's the challenges for you as a, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, when you start creating stuff and you, you step on stage. Have, have you ever crossed paths and kind of been in an environment where you're the only Christian rapper in the room or is it, what's that like? Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, my most recent, my most recent conversations and approaches to it, I liken it, you know, kind of comparable to basketball. Yeah. So obviously it's a little different because when it comes to being an artist, you're actually hearing you know what someone is thinking and whatnot but right. i mean like you know when you're when you're an athlete you know you're out there and you're playing you know it doesn't matter mm-hmm. um in some aspects you know like somebody's not gonna care like oh like you're uh, a christian or you're an atheist or anything right. like that i just want to know if you can ball you right. know what i'm saying like exactly and so when it comes to music um you know for a lot of people mm-hmm. um you know, I, I tell people, you know, that, you know, noise uh, is just that. But right. like there's a difference between noise and music mm-hmm. and what some people may see as music. Some people may see as noise. Right. For me, what I what my recent challenge has been is to make music. And I and that seems like, well, duh. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. Make it to where it's palatable, at least like like even on the ears, you know, for somebody who may mm. not even be a believer. Right. You know what I'm saying? 
obviously I put layers upon layers upon layers mm-hmm. in my writing and what I'm writing and things like that. Right. And so, but I also look like even in like what I'm saying on the surface, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I know the story that God has put in me. I mm-hmm. know where he's brought me from. And right. I know that Jesus, the greatest, you know, creator in the world, right. like told stories. Mm-hmm. We all May, we all find new understanding based on the understanding we already have. That's okay. how Jesus used parables. You know right. what I'm saying? And so I think for me in music, I'm learning, okay, most people understand the concept of working hard. They right. understand the concept of living life. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have an idea of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, my job or not even my job, my mm-hmm. calling, my right. purpose in what I make is to show people another way. Right. Um, I am not trying to do uh, a super theological, uh, right. you know. You're not trying to be Shaolin about it. I'm not trying to be <laughs> Shaolin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we praise God for the Shaolins. There are people right. that, you know, need that. And I think that, you know, the, the spectrum of art, <laughs> if you will, you know what I'm saying, is wide. And I and I'm thankful right. that there are people like that, but feeling not feeling like I have to do that. Right. You know, because there are times with the Shaolin song that I feel like I have to pause the song mm-hmm. just to let my brain rest for a second because yeah. of the, the last two or three sentences that he dropped. Mm-hmm. He's very creative. Very, very you know, creative. Agree or disagree with his theology mm-hmm. and what may, mm-hmm. but like he, the fact is he takes his content and he's incredibly creative with what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, that dude, I like, I'm just sitting here thinking like, um, for so long, the rap world and specifically the rap Christian world mm-hmm. was a bunch of copycats. Yeah, I worked absolutely. at I worked at North Greenville, you know, communications major. Mm-hmm. I was helping run the radio station there, mm-hmm. and and a lot of the rappers that we would play, of course, grits kind sure. of come yeah. along like they're the pioneers. Yeah. Like yep. grits, the um oh gosh, I forget the uh, the album that released that we just burn a hole <laughs> in. Um, Tennessee Boys, the one with Tennessee Boys, a Tennessee okay. Boys. Anyway, yeah. um, you you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. Uh, we burned a hole in that album, but like. Outside of grits, outside of maybe one or two other guys at the time, mm-hmm. it was a lot of copycat dudes. Yeah, I love KJ Five Two, like to an extent. Like Five now, Tweezy. like like now, I look back at it and going, uh, right, 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 right. You know, sure. Uh, but you know, for a lot of people, he right. he filled a lot of uh, right a good a good void. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, I mean, here we go. The the classic. <laughs> um, oh well, I. I can't listen to Eminem, but so I'll listen, listen to KJ Five right, Two. You right. know, and so. that's a good option for, and it it feel it it helped a lot of people that you know came to know the Lord, and, and mm-hmm. we want to be critical about that. Oh, he's just another copycat ri- rapper mm-hmm. or writer, mm-hmm. but he helped a lot of people that did have that Eminem like mm-hmm. um, void and and transfer over. I, I think it's funny. I'll tell you the story, and we'll kind of wrap up here. Sure. Um, my wife, she she decorates our house with, um, of course, every traditional you know hmm. Southern woman scripture everywhere mm-hmm. on the. I mean, it is right. As you yeah, see, what we have on ours. <laughs> yeah, Brian. Brian so so uh, lovingly welcomed me into his home, and we're sitting in his living room right now. But um, she has scripture, and people have given us scripture, and she's made sure. stuff all over us. And and for Christmas, she wanted this uh, one specific. Uh, word art to go in her bathroom mm-hmm. and um it was so fresh and so clean clean i love that and love that. 
she was like, oh, don't you think this is cute? Oh, this is just amazing. And I was like, I'm down with it because I listened to Outcast yeah. when I was in college. <laughs> yeah. I mean, going Spodiote, Doublelicious Saint, like yeah, that was, just, you know, Andre. Th- now, is it, uh, disclaimer, yeah. <laughs> it is not edifying and uplifting and all that. that mm-hmm. I was, I'm a different man now. But anyway, <laughs> um, that phrase was from mm-hmm. those albums. Mm-hmm. And my wife didn't really know where it was from. So it was kind of yeah. funny. I, I walked through the halls of my house and I'm like, oh, you know, Axe 1 8, here's, you know, Habakkuk 3 2, and, and all this other stuff. And I get out of my bathtub and I've got, ain't nobody dope as me. I'm. And so yeah, fresh yeah. and so clean cleans on my, on yeah. my bathroom wall, man. I thought I just funny. Yeah. Um, I think, man, I respect you a ton Thank for you. Um, your artistic, um, you know, abilities, your athletic abilities, mm-hmm. but you also, anytime that I've just observed you around a crowd, regardless of the demographic makeup of the crowd, you have an ability to bring everybody together. Wow. And, um, and, and everybody knows who Brian is and you, you actually, thanks for going mm-hmm. and uh, speaking to my, my alma mater the other day. I saw where you, yeah. you rapped at North mm-hmm. Greenville. So, yep. um, but, uh, man, I think, you know, White people, <laughs> let me just speak to y'all. the The art form of rap music is is an art form, mm-hmm. and it and it is an art form that um, you know the Sugar Hill Gang and all those guys mm-hmm. you know pioneered. Um, and we could, you could probably go back a little bit further than that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but but it's something, man, um, that I respect deeply. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think, man, um, thank you for sitting down with me and and having conversations like this because, um. You know, we were talking a little bit beforehand. The only difference between you and me is just you you were lucky and got a little more melanin than I did. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. and that's, uh, you know, that's what's amazing about this. And I think that's what 2022 mm-hmm. in the world in 2022 needs to hear, man, mm-hmm. is that um, it's about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about how Jesus called you, showed you you were a sinner, called you to surrender your life. You, you placed your life mm-hmm. in his hands and said, take, take with it, do with it what you will. Um, you surrendered your love to basketball because it was a God just for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I surrendered my love to, of drums because it was a God for me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I told, I was trying to tell God how I was going to do ministry mm-hmm. until he put a truck in my way and almost mm-hmm. took my life. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it's one of those things, man, where, um, rather than sitting in, you know, Ephesians two says it best because God reconciled a Jew and Gentile Mm -hmm. and, and the greatest racial divide Mm -hmm. among, I I think, you know, what we saw 2020, 2021. Mm -hmm. Yes, there was a division there, but I I would, I, I don't think we even have a comprehension about what Jew Gentile division was like. Um, And God in Ephesians two reconciles that. Mm Mm-hmm. And man, because of, of what Jesus Christ did for me, mm-hmm. man, you're my brother. Yeah. Like more ways than one, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Absolutely. I absolutely <laughs> um, do. But like, uh, I, I think that's the, the big thing that the world needs to hear, man, mm-hmm. is, um, you know, I want to, I want to raise my son too. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my son's biracial mm-hmm. and like. Yeah, his daddy's going to be white. His mama's white. Mm-hmm. But, like, we love him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God saved him from the grips of a Planned Parenthood. Mm. And, man, we – I can't imagine knowing and seeing Maddox now. Like, mm-hmm. 
not living life without him. Mm. And he's got a little more melon than I did. He's lucky. Yeah. He's lucky mm-hmm. like you are. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. he's got a little more melon than I do, man. Um, so just something, if you were to encourage the church. Yeah. Um, about the issues that we're seeing in the world today when it comes to race. Yeah. You know, um, I didn't mean to take a deep dive You're towards good. the end of the podcast of this thing, but um, it's life. What, What's on your heart there, man? Yeah. What's, what um, would you say? You know, I think I've been fortunate enough to be a part of two of the thing, two of the three things I'm about to mention. Um, there are at least three things that I think transcend any cultural barrier. That's sports, mm-hmm. that's music, and that's food. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so We hadn't even got to food. We hadn't, we hadn't got to food. <laughs> now, I, I would say... One of the things that, because you talked to, uh, you, you mentioned it earlier about like, uh, you know, sometimes being the only Christian in a, a musical space, you know, right. and various musical communities that I'm a part of. Um, even if I'm not, like I said, preaching a, a sermon, I'm sharing of my experiences. One of the things that I've learned is sometimes we want to get to know people and we want to hear their stories. Art is probably the most beautiful way to hear somebody, what they think, what they see, mm-hmm. what they see, what they feel. Um, and so sometimes hearing somebody's art, you know, mm-hmm. musically um, asking tough questions of like, hey, like, walk me through this. Like, I, I hear this. Like, I want to mm-hmm. I want to understand more like what wh- mm-hmm. where where did this come from? Where did this where was this created from? Right. Um, and sometimes you get a deeper perspective instead of just like, oh, I don't like, you know, how they said that or I don't like, you know, mm-hmm. why they did that or how they did that. I think. And this obviously kind of transitions to the question that you ask in regards right. to race. Um, you know, we all are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Our God is big enough to where um, all of our shades of color right. are unique. Right. All of our ethnicities, all of our backgrounds and things like that are unique. Right. They have cultures they have, and those cultures have norms, whether they're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. They have different things like that. I think the thing that I wish that I knew and mm-hmm. that, I would communicate to other people is to get to know your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, not don't get to know them so that you can um, change their heart to, to know right. God. Um, ultimately you're not the one that does the changing anyway. Mm-hmm. And so if part of, you know, just engaging with people, and just loving them mm-hmm. genuinely. Like you may literally just love them by just hearing them, right. speaking truth, but seeing them as a person, you know what I'm saying? And being able to just, because uh, ultimately at the end of the day, everybody, and this every, here we go, every means everybody, every, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, is truly like everyone wants to be seen, heard, and understood. Right. And so um, I think the conversations that I've been able to have with people, mm-hmm. like, especially when a lot of the things happened in 2020, mm-hmm. um, kind of came back to a lot of people, like almost ending with people saying like, I didn't know. Right. And I understand, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, the charge is if you get to know your neighbor, you get to know your neighbor's pain. 
mm-hmm. and then you become more curious about why things are. You, right. you ask the question. It's like, hey, I don't expect you to know everything about everybody, you know, and whatnot. But who are the people that you are around? Right. You know, who are your neighbors, and mm-hmm. how can you genuinely care for them? Yeah. And genuinely care for them by getting to know them, get to know what they've gone through. Mm-hmm. That's both by asking them, mm-hmm. but that's also by doing your own research, right. um, asking them for recommendations, asking them for, um, you know, ways that they felt hurt or that they mm-hmm. felt misunderstood right. and not necessarily going into it with trying to justify because um, sometimes it's just like, you know, I can remember for me, I, you know, I, I grew up in South Carolina, mm-hmm. um, high school, college, yeah. predominantly white. Yeah. And I can remember the you first time. You've experienced stuff at some time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember when I was in college, um, one time I got, um, I was profiled um, oh. to the point where, like, I got pulled over, mm-hmm. um, was leaving a, I say a party. Um, it was, a, you know, it is always interesting whenever somebody is like, you know, like, right. well, you, you left the party. I was like, yeah, yeah it was an FCA party. <laughs> um, and so it actually right. was. But even still, like, I remember that happening and I couldn't grasp it at the time. But with talking to a couple friends later, they were like, I mean, you were you were profiled. Like, right. I mean, they, they had an idea of who they were looking for or what they thought they saw. And you fit the description right now luckily nothing happened right but i'm a lot more empathetic now to people mm-hmm. who have said like they've gone through that right. because i've experienced that and it's right. sometimes you know you hear the people you know say like sometimes you don't understand until you walk a mile in their shoes mm-hmm. and it's like man i i didn't know and actually one great example that i think a lot of people understand the movie remember the titans mm-hmm uh, the scene that I used a lot and referenced a lot, um, I think they won, the team won their first, one of their first games. And right. so PD, Blue, and Sunshine, they're mm-hmm. walking in and it's like, uh, hey, we should uh, um, we should go into this restaurant. PD's like, nah, I don't know. I don't think they take too kindly to right. us in there. And so, so I was like, no, 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 those days are past. You know, like we, we come in, you know, we go in. So they walk in. Of course, the, the guy who owns the establishment says, like, sorry, guys, we're full. I'm like, well, we can see their table. And they're like, no, well, it's my restaurant, and I reserve the right to, you if know, you serve, serve yeah. whoever. Um, and so if y'all want food, I can go around back, whatever. So they walk out, and <laughs> Sunshine makes a comment that I right. think I have heard in, in a different context, right. you know, both uh, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, like, like right. a lot of people in various contexts say about someone else that is not, you know, with their background. It's right. like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Now, what's funny, right. but sad about that is PD says, like, what do you mean you didn't know? I told you before right. we walked in. He wasn't listening. He wasn't listening. Right. And so I think there's a lot of people that are saying things. And I think that's where conversations right. are helpful. But also, you know sometimes leaning in and just like, okay, let me file that away. Like I heard that, right. I heard something about that. I was aware of that. Like just kind of maintaining right. curiosity. Right. And listening to understand there's a difference between listening and listening to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also the challenge to force is that yes, a lot of times, and, and, and I've shared this with my, my crazy Canadian neighbors mm-hmm. um, that, you know, um, 
gain more ground when you listen to understand and not try to listen to interject to interject your worldview immediately. Yes. Now, as and you're earning the right to be heard as you're listening to, mm-hmm. um, then once the right is earned to be heard, regardless of the 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 color of the friendship, man, mm-hmm. this is with anybody. Right. Um, once you've earned the right to be heard, you have the right to share your belief too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the point where we get to be salt and light to the world, mm-hmm. and we go, okay. Um, your foundation is X, Y, Z, and this, let me show you where that may be fleeting because my foundation is the biblical basis of X, Y, Z and knowing mm-hmm. why you believe what you believe, and it's a challenge there too. Absolutely. Um, so, um, man, I, I want to thank you for, for sitting down with me here at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, do some shameless plugging and promotion, kind of go into your, your hype man's promotion sure. stuff. Go ahead. Do everything. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm on Instagram, Twitter uh, with uh, be nice 21 uh, on YouTube. Uh, if you look up Brian Narciss uh, or it'll be under a slice of be nice. So all one word. Um, I have music that is on Spotify, Apple mm-hmm. Music, uh, under Be Nice. Um, that would be the Juice Box. Um, that would be uh, Soaps, which is sketches of a panoramic skyline. Ooh. Did that one back in 2013, and then like uh, Limelight 2015, which was written from uh, kind of in many ways a response to that season with the Globetrotters. Wow. Um, and so. More music is on the way. I've been doing little remixes and things like that. Right. Uh, but I do have new music that is coming out this summer. Right. Um, I cannot say when. <laughs> I cannot say what yet. But, but but if you follow me on Instagram, you'll find out and all that absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. And I have to say, your, your Instagram is one of the more um, fascinating follows because I just enjoy watching your creative process. And you as, you as a rapper, going back to that, just mm-hmm. really quick. I know we got to yeah. wrap these things up. But your very nonchalant demeanor as you stand in front of the camera. You're not like a lot of the rappers do like mm-hmm. trying to get in front of the camera and mm-hmm. make, you just kind of stand there kind of methodically yeah. over to the side and you're like, Oh, here it is. And you, you may put your hand up a couple of times and, mm-hmm. and, and, but your flow is kind of what you're wanting people to mm-hmm. kind of, so kind of follow. So I'll say, um, it's funny you say that because when I would tell people, who are my recent influences? I think probably one of my biggest influences is somebody who does this well, the, hey, they're a strong believer, right? but they have kind of infiltrated the world's, mm. um, you know, platform right. in regards to music. I mean, he's just dope. Um, he's a dope artist, a dope person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but I'll be sure to share him with you, a Toby Nwigwe. I never heard of him. Okay, so when you when you go and find Toby, okay, your the the nonchalant nature will uh, come through. It'll it'll laugh. It, you'll laugh because yeah. like now that you've said that, I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I was intending to go full Toby with like the nonchalant nature, but yeah. I can see it now. I yeah. guess. But. So if if uh, also if people want to contribute to your ministry through FCA, mm-hmm. it's my.fca.org/slash. 
think it's Brian Dash Narcissus. <laughs> I I don't. I usually just send the link. Okay, uh, but yeah. All right, um, we'll we'll find it. And even if you go to the my.fca.org page yeah, and type in up. Brian Narcissus, mm-hmm. it'll pull up his picture, and you can yes. contribute to his ministry through FCA. Man, yeah. Brian, I want to thank you for sitting down at the table with me, man. Thank you. For um, having me. I'm gonna kind of try to do a handshake. Here we, Here go. we go. All right, made it happen. It made it happen. Yeah. My short arms, your long arms, <laughs> with our with our powers combined. Um, I'm, I was gonna share a beat with you on air, but oh, uh copyright violations yes. so there's that no, um anyway thank thank everybody for uh hanging out with us at the table brian thanks for sitting down with us and we'll see you next week for another episode Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Table. Any information about today's guest will be in the comments section of this episode. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, feel free to email us, thetablepodcastsc at gmail.com. See you next week here at The Table.